this morning is out of the Old Testament book of Daniel, and I'm going to be reading to you from chapter 7, verses 1 to 3 and 15 to 18. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the first year of King Belshazzar of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head as he lay in bed. Then he wrote them down. I, Daniel, saw in my vision by night the four winds of heaven stirring up the great sea. And four graced beasts came out of the sea, different from one another. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was troubled within me, and the visions of my head terrified me. I approached one of the attendants to ask him the truth concerning all this. So he said that he would disclose to me the interpretation of the matter. As for these four great beasts, four kings shall arise out of the earth. But the holy ones of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever. Forever and ever. And the New Testament lesson from the lectionary for All Saints Day comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 23. More than usual, I encourage you to follow along in your pew Bibles. You may have noticed that many New Testament letters are full of run-on sentences, and this reading especially is maybe only one or two sentences. So it's helpful to follow along visually as I read it to you now. Ephesians chapter 1. Listen once again for the word of God. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your hearts enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, 
the fullness of him who fills all in all. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A couple months ago, I got a call early on a Sunday morning that my grandfather had had a heart attack and wasn't doing well. After church, I hopped on the first plane en route to Denver, but found out during a layover in Atlanta that my grandpa had gone to be with the Lord. The nurses in the hospital very kindly waited to remove his body until I could arrive a few hours later, and I spent a few poignant moments alone with his body. My grandpa's face still clearly recalled that of my own father, who died nearly nine years ago now. And a part of me felt the pain of that loss again compounded with the one that was before me then. At last, I put my hand on my grandfather's cold forehead and muttered the words of commendation I have declared at countless gravesides among countless grieving families, this time for no one's comfort but my own. Receive him into the arms of your mercy, into the blessed rest of everlasting peace, and into the glorious company of the saints in light. It's strange for me now to think about my grandfather as a saint. It wasn't a title that was often ascribed to him much during his life. It wasn't that he was a bad person. No, no, not at all. But like most of us, he had his quirks. For instance, though he was quite smart, having attended MIT and made a living for himself as an aeronautical engineer, nevertheless, he was foolishly duped into buying hundreds of worthless miracle drug supplements that came to overflow his kitchen. <laughs> That's the thing about saints. Sometimes strange faults slip mysteriously and inexplicably past the best of who they are. Saints have blind spots, which, though not necessarily malicious, nevertheless create certain challenges sometimes. A few weeks later, my aunt, uncle, and I stood by my grandfather's grave in Michigan to bury his ashes next to my grandmother. My grandmother died in 1990 when I was younger than my own son is now. Though my grandpa lived to be nearly 93, my grandmother died of cancer at the age of 57, as my father later would at the age of 59. My grandmother was a joyous, loving, creative person. My father, a tennis pro who was incredibly fit and never even seemed to catch a cold. My grandfather, though, would eat multiple muffins for breakfast, multiple desserts, heavily sweetened coffees and milkshakes, he couldn't be bothered to exercise one bit. He was anything but healthy. And yet he outlived his much healthier wife and son by more than three decades. That's another thing about saints. Sometimes they live longer than we might expect, longer than they perhaps even deserve. And sometimes they die young unexpectedly, suddenly, undeservedly, tragically. 
Sometimes they suffer longer than they should. Sometimes they don't live long enough to suffer much at all, but are gone in an instant. The reasons for such variance in lifespan remain hidden from us. My aunt asked me to speak from the heart there at the graveside. And since it was just the three of us, I tried to speak with a little more honesty than you might find in a typical eulogy. Sure, I spoke about my grandpa's life, as many would, marveling at how when he contracted polio as a young boy and became disabled, his neighbor introduced him to model airplanes at just the right time, which would ultimately provide him not only a fruitful career, but also a fruitful hobby. My grandfather flew his little Piper Comanche airplane well into his late 80s until one day after driving it off a runway, my aunt finally put her foot down and, you know, took away the keys. But I also spoke about the fact that he wasn't always the father or grandfather he could have been, nor were we always the children or grandchildren we could have been. He could have said, I love you more. I could have called him more. He could have listened to us more. We could have been more patient with him. And so on. That's another thing about the saints. They aren't always who they should be. They don't live up to every ideal. They don't always have their priorities straight. They don't always get it right the first time. But this isn't often the public story we tell when a person dies, right? We tend to speak about Uncle Patrick's principles, but not his inability to see anything from another point of view. Or we tend to admire Aunt Eleanor's elegance, but not her obsession with looking perfect. Our cousin Chuck was a leader at his firm and served on these boards and in those civic organizations, we are quick to say. But what we don't say is that he wasn't around much when his kids were growing up. That's another thing about the saints. They can be stubborn as well as passionate, anxious as well as beautiful, hard-working but at the wrong things. Saints have an inner life and an outer life that don't always cohere. They want to be present and love well, but often invest their time in that which offers a greater monetary reward or more public accolades. We finished my grandpa's committal and buried his ashes, remembering the sobering words of Scripture. From dust were ye made, and dust ye shall be. And I looked around the cemetery before we left, pondering all those many graves. Most were marked with flowers, but one nearby grave was marked with a bottle of beer. Each symbol, in its own way, I suppose, recalling the life of a saint there to convey the beauty of their virtues or perhaps the irony of their vices. So who then are the saints? Well, not just those who are larger than life, 
not just the people who live long, full, prosperous lives, not just the most principled, the most generous, the most compassionate. The saints are the ordinary people we love, the hurting people we pray for, the despairing people who lean on us. The saints are those who struggle with making good decisions, those who struggle with their health, those, yes, even those who struggle with their faith. The saints, my friends, are all of us. You see, the saints are saints not because of their virtues, nor their vices for that matter, of course. The saints are not saints because of who they are, but because of who Jesus Christ is. The saints are saints because of Jesus' claim upon them in life and in death. And Christ's claim is binding and irreversible. The saints are saints because Christ has made them such. Christ perfectly obeyed the will of God, and he did it for us, such that our righteousness is his righteousness. His faith is our saving faith. His life is our eternal life. His glory is the glory in which the saints come to share. All this Christ has accomplished for us, though it is true that we don't always realize it now. We don't always live according to it in this life. Nor are we spared the deathly wages of sin in the crossfire of this world's brokenness. Sainthood in this life doesn't always look glorious. Sometimes it's a picture of undeserved suffering or perplexing self-sabotage or simply unremarkable ordinariness. Sainthood in this life is a sainthood waiting to be revealed, a, a bud waiting to blossom, a hidden mystery that sometimes God alone can see. But in the life to come, the glory of the saints God has made us to be in Christ bursts forth in a most remarkable way. The glory of what is to come is something that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. Yes, but what we can say is that the glorious company of the saints is light and life. A light that never flickers or grows dim. A life not given to decay. In the life to come, we will still recognize the saints, just as the disciples recognized the risen Christ. They will still be you and me and all those we have loved and lost. But we will also marvel at what they have become, seeing a fullness in them that we perhaps only glimpsed in this life. The sick will be healed, the anxious at rest, the ignorant enlightened, the angry at peace, and all manner of things shall be well. But we cannot afford to wait until the next life to see the glory that is to come. We must glimpse it now, if only from afar. For even now, we are let down by those we trust. We are afflicted with trials of many kinds. We suffer the death of those we love. 
in all sorts of ways. What we see today isn't the full reality of the sainthood into which Christ has redeemed us. And so we must peer into what is to come as best we can to be encouraged and to find our hope. And so Paul offers us the prayer we heard in Ephesians today, a prayer fit for those who stand by the grave thinking about those who have died. With the eyes of your heart enlightened, he says, may you know the riches of God's glorious inheritance among the saints. Friends, when we think about the saints who have gone before us into the kingdom of God, we need the eyes of our hearts enlightened. Looking back, we remember the saints honestly. We remember the truth of who they were, the truth of who they were not. But we also need to look ahead, or to look up, if you will, to see the saints in a new way, in the full reality into which they have been received and clothed, the glorious company of the saints in light. So with the eyes of our hearts enlightened, may we discover and rediscover and discover again the power of the promise on which we stand, the hope with which we remember the saints this day and every day. In life and in death, we belong to God. That's what makes a saint. Alleluia and amen.